Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, April the 30th, 2022. It is currently 8.37 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. And it's from this very spot that I did two live broadcasts earlier today. We started this morning with doing some work in Matthew 24. It was a little rough. It, it had some issues. I, I mispronounced the name of a place and it, it had some issues. I wasn't super happy with it. Then a little later in the day, I'm like, you know what? I'll go right back upstairs, two stories above a street in Abilene, Texas, and We'll do a broadcast where we discuss the way Christians read the Bible. And the way we were going to discuss this is, well, Yahoo News, well, they put out a podcast about, well, the way Christians read the Bible and that the way the Christians read the Bible, well, it has a major impact. So I was, I was really interested thinking this is going to be a fascinating, you know, listen, because here's this podcast from Yahoo News talking about how Christians read the Bible. I just, in my mind, it was going to be fascinating. It was going to be interesting. It may be a little bit controversial. So when I got ready to listen to it, I came right up here and said, we'll listen to it together. And well, when that was all said and done, I, I walked back downstairs going, man, that, that would, no, that really wasn't any, that really wasn't any good. They didn't really, uh, their, their hook for their podcast was kind of like, hey, you know, some Christians read the Bible this way. And the implication was that's the wrong way. And because they read it the wrong way, this has, well, lots of impact. And they um, and the implication was somewhat of a negative one, but they never really got there. Now, maybe in the last 22 minutes, which I, I told everyone to go listen to, no one emailed me and said, man, you need to listen to the last two, 22 minutes of that because it really got crazy. Nobody did. I stopped as well just because I was kind of frustrated going, well, we... It never really got going. It never really got there. I don't. I don't really know what they were trying to accomplish. And all the ways that they said Christians read the Bible wrong were were pretty basic concept. There was nothing they were. There was nothing they were saying that shouldn't be talked about in any decent church, any decent Bible college, any decent seminary. And, and so the whole thing was extremely frustrating. And, and which I warned, that's always the danger. When I do those kind of podcast episodes where I take audio and I listen to you, listen to it with you in real time, that's always the danger because it may turn out to be, well, that really wasn't any good. I, I always hate when that happens, but the alternative is whenever I, there's an audio that I want to review that I listen to it first, but I just feel like that I'm rehearsing my responses. It doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel real. It feels produced. It feels like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm performing and I, and I hate that. I like my responses to be real. So I hope it wasn't too much of a waste of your time. I, yeah, I was frustrated. So I was thinking, so, you know, I want to end Saturday at least with hopefully a decent live broadcast that will be greatly beneficial so that I can put Saturday, you know, I can just forget about Saturday when I finally go to bed tonight and then I can focus on Sunday, right? Because 
you know, when things when things go wrong, sometimes they just they just stick stick with you. And this is one of those days where, in my mind, it was going to be a great day of live broadcasting, two hours, and I'm like, well, two plus hours, and I'm like, well, that that didn't really go well. So hopefully, this third hour of broadcasting will be the will be the one that that makes it all worthwhile. But I wanted I didn't want to just ignore everything that we had done earlier today. So here's what I want to do. Clearly, the Yahoo News podcast was at least inferring, implying that there's a right way to read the Bible and there's a wrong way to read the Bible. And I think Christians have always made arguments about this. How should one read it? How should one interpret it? Now, Yes, there's no agreed upon hermeneutic, which is frustrating. To be honest, there's not even agreed upon way of reading it. Everyone handles the Bible in all kinds of different ways. And we could talk about all of the problems and all the issues with that. And one of the things that kind of bothered me about the podcast we discussed earlier today is they seem to imply that the problem is that the, that if we just all learned how to read it, if we, if we all learned how to read it right, then we would all be unified. But the problem is, is who is to say the right way to read it? In other words, there's not even agreement on how to read it. So how are we ever going to agree upon a unified way to read it? It was really like they seem to not have a full grasp of how divided Christians really are on everything. So it was a, it was a little frustrating, but I started thinking, okay, if I was going to sit someone down and start talking about some important things to remember as you read the Bible, well, I could, I could go to some of our Bible study exercises that we've studied in the past, but are, are, are some of our Bible study methods that we've talked about in our Bible study exercise series of podcasts. I could go back and talk about some of those things, but we've talked about them over and over and over and over again. So I started thinking, when it comes to reading the Bible, when it comes to Bible study, I think it's important to understand that which is different. I think it's important to understand that some things are different and must be understood. And two things came to my mind. First, I think it's absolutely essential that every Christian understands and understands the difference between our position in Christ and our practice. Position, practice. Position and practice contrasted. Position and practice seen as completely different. I think as you read the Bible, you need to understand when the Bible is speaking about your position and when it is speaking about your practice or or your or your practical living, right? You've got to know the difference. Oh, that is speaking about my position in Christ. That's not talking about a practical reality. That is talking about a positional reality. Maybe we should say it that way. When you read and study the Bible, you have to understand the difference between a positional reality and a practical reality. A positional reality, this is this is what I'll give you an example. A positional reality. In Christ, I am without sin, I am holy, I am perfect. I have the perfect righteousness of Christ imputed to my account. I stand before God, perfect, righteous, a good and faithful servant. Practical reality, I'm a sinner. 
I'm, we can go on and on. I'm unfaithful. I'm ungodly. We can go all day. We could just go all day describing it. It's absolutely night and day. And sometimes people read passages confusing, thinking that it is speaking of a practical reality when it's real, really speaking of a positional reality. That is something that when you read the Bible, you definitely have to know the difference. All right. There is a second one. There's really a number of these I could give you, but just for this episode. So the first one would be that understanding the difference, understanding the contrast between a positional reality and a practical reality. The second one, and I think this is absolutely essential to reading and studying the Bible, I think it's absolutely essential to theology, is you have to understand the difference between the law and grace. You've got to know the difference between law and grace, and you cannot confide or mix these up, just like you should not, con- you should not confound, I should say. You should not confound uh, positional and practical realities. You should not confound and confuse those. You should not confuse and confound law and grace. You have to understand the contrast between them. If you don't read the Bible that way, you end up perplexed, confused, and probably going to end up with some really, 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 really flawed interpretations. So what we're going to do tonight in this episode, we're going to start, we're not going to finish this. And in my mind, I can do the whole thing in one episode, but there's just no way. So this is going to be part one, and we're going to, we're going to look at law, and we're going to look at law and grace contrasted. We're going to contrast law and grace. And to do this, we're going to go back to 19, uh, 1949. 1949, Dr. Merrill F. Unger wrote an article in 1949. I don't know what the original title was. I, I, I think the original title was Law and Grace a Bible contrast, but I could be wrong. Let me see here if I can find out what the original. Uh, written by Dr. Merrill F. Unger in 1949. At the original time of publication, Dr. Unger was serving as the professor of Old Testament and Semitics uh, uh, at Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas, Texas. This article was reproduced from Foundation Magazine, Volume 35, Issue 3. So I'm assuming the original title, again, going back to 1949, Law and Grace, A Bible Contrast. Now, whenever you talk about the distinction or contrasting law and grace or law and gospel, a lot of times you may you may be, find yourself looking at something written from a Lutheran theological perspective. But in this particular case, we're going to be looking at something written from someone who was at Dallas Theological Seminary, right? So a more evangelical, uh, well, the, the publication that then it was picked from there, the, the publication I'm looking at that has reprinted it is an independent fundamental Baptist uh, publication. So we're going to go more to a conservative evangelical Christian approach um, instead of looking at it from a Lutheran approach. Now, I think looking at it from a Lutheran approach is, is interesting as well, but I, I th- thought this would be, I think th- thought this would fit in perfectly with what we tried to talk about earlier today, 
that hey, how Christians read the Bible is very important, and it is. It has a major impact. And if we're going to talk about how we need how Christians need to read the Bible, well, we need to definitely read with an understanding of the difference and the contrast between our positional reality and practical reality. And we definitely need to un- read the Bible understanding the difference between law and grace, or we could say law and gospel, but they use the term law and grace. Let's see what they do with this. Are you ready? Here we go. 1949. All right, here we go. In the study of the Holy Scriptures... As indeed in any other study, it is of paramount importance to distinguish carefully between things that differ. All right? In the study of the Holy Scriptures, as indeed in any other study, it is of paramount importance to distinguish carefully between things that differ. Now, that's important. When you study the Bible, you have to notice and be able to draw a contrast and see and and note, okay, that is different from that. Those are different. They are different in different ways. They are different in specific ways, right? I think, for example, you need to know the difference when you're reading a passage, when a passage is prescribing action, prescribing what you are to do versus just describing I think you need to be able to know the differences in promises. Some are conditional, some are unconditional, some are not applicable. You need to note the differences. So sometimes in study, noticing the differences, well, as Unger says, it's paramount. It's absolutely necessary. How good are you at noticing the differences? For example, going back to our this morning, or Matthew 24, it is very important to know the difference between things that apply to what occurred in 70 AD and those things that don't apply to what comes in 70. We're, we're noticing differences. We're drawing distinctions, right? Wait a minute. Okay. What, what, what is that referring to there? We're, we're, we're noticing differences. We're distinguishing those things. Now, Unger goes on to say this, unless this is done, Unless you learn to distinguish carefully between things that differ, unless this is done, untold darkness and confusion will result where otherwise there would be perfect light and clarity. If you can distinguish that which is different, you have light and clarity. If you do not do that, now he uses very strong language here, right? You could even, you you may be tempted to say that he's using hyperbolic language. I don't really think he is. I think there. I think there's a lot of truth here. If you do not know how to distinguish between things that are different, you're going to find yourself in untold darkness and confusion uh, as far as understanding the Bible. You're just going to be completely confused and completely in the dark. But if you want light and clarity, one of the very important things to do is to know to distinguish that which is different. I think I think that's a rather rather profound point, and probably everyone should write it down. Right? Um, untold darkness and confusion have arisen over the subject of law and grace, because God has set forth these two principles in obvious and striking contrast, and men have attempted to join together in confused and unholy wedlock. That which God has determined shall be forever put asunder. That is very poetic and very powerful. 
God has given us these two principles, law and grace. And God, these are to be, and he does so in a striking contrast. But men, you, I, the Christians have come along, picked up the Bible, and we've attempted to join them together in some confused and unholy wedlock. And God had determined that the two shall forever be put asunder. Law and grace are to be seen as distinct and different. Let's see where he goes with this. The profane and unsanctified offspring, moreover, of this unblessed and man-made union have plagued the Christian church and played havoc with her peace and unity. What God hath separated, let not man join together. Now, he, he he's getting very blunt here. Okay, profane and unsanctified offspring has arisen because of this man-made union, and it has plagued the church, and it's played havoc with peace and unity in the church, because what God has separated well, should have never been joined together, but we've come along not distinguishing the difference, merging it, con- confusing it, and, and well, all, well, we end up with a, a mess. We end up just with a complete, utter hermeneutical, I don't even know what you call it, a hermeneutical nightmare is what we end up with. So that's a powerful first paragraph. That is powerful, powerful. And I just want you to understand it goes beyond just law and grace. We've got to be able to distinguish that which is different. We have to be able to understand differences. And, 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 and sometimes it can be very difficult. Trying to figure out in Matthew 24, okay, what applies to 70 AD? What possibly applies to the future? What is past from our vantage point? What is future from our vantage point? Right? Trying to understand that can be very, 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 very difficult. And that, again, but we've got to notice the di- distinction, the difference. Next paragraph. Here we go. The contrasting principles of law and grace are so diverse that they characterize the two most important dispensations. Now, let's stop right here. Okay. Now, 1949. Dallas Theological Seminary. Clearly, dispensational theology is the position that this is going to come from. Now, those who reject dispensational theology may completely disagree with everything we're going to say, but we're at least going to consider this perspective tonight. I still believe, I don't, we could get into an argument about different theological systems, covenant theology, dispensational. We could go all day arguing about all of that. I want to set aside that right now because I believe that you have to understand the difference between law and grace. You have to understand the difference between your position, the positional reality and practical reality. I think you have to understand uh, the differences in promises. You, I think there's a lot of things we have to understand the difference in. So, um, but he, he mentions dispensations here. Now, remember, that doesn't necessarily mean he's referring to dispensational theology because dispensations are just different periods of time, but you get the idea. Let's see, let's see where he goes here. But the fact that it's 1949 and Dallas Theological Seminary, I'm pretty sure that dispensational theology is the perspective from which this is being written. But let's see what he has to say here. Here we go. The contrasting principles of law and grace are so diverse that they characterize the two most important dispensations, the Jewish and the Christian. 
For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John chapter 1, verse 17. Now, we could have a lengthy discussion here. Is John 1.17 drawing a clear distinction that the law comes by Moses and grace comes by Christ? Is it, is it, is that, is that drawing that distinction? Should we see a distinction there? One comes by Moses, one comes by Christ? Is it, is it, is it trying to give our attention to say, hey, pay attention to this distinction? Possibly. This does not mean, now listen, this does not mean that there was no law before Moses any more than there was no grace and truth before Christ. But it does mean that the law was given from Sinai and dominates and characterizes the time from then to Calvary, just as Christ brought grace into operation and grace domin- uh, and just as Christ brought grace into operation and it grace dominates characterizes the period from Calvary to the outtaking of the church. It is moreover very necessary to remember that the word of God never in any dispensation mingles these two principles. Invariably, law is presented as having a place in a work distinct from grace and is set forth as wholly diverse from it in every respect. All right. So what's being stated here is that no matter where you find it, law and grace, these two principles are always presented as having their own place, their own work, which is distinct from the other. And they're always set forth as wholly diverse in every respect. So no matter where you look, no matter what time period, here's law, here's grace, and they're always, they have their own work and they're always set apart. You could agree, you could disagree here. Now I'm going to do something really fast before we move on, right? I don't know how far I'm going to uh, go here, right? Let's do this. I'm going. I'm going to open up the uh, Spreaker app just to make sure that I'm not missing any. Okay, uh, I've got one comment. I just want to make sure I'm not missing any because earlier today uh, all of the comments were not showing up. So I don't want to get ready to. I'll make sure I check before I end the broadcast. They show up on the app. They don't show up on the laptop always. All right, but here we go. So he, this is what he, he uh, Unger wants us to do. Again, written in what 1949. Here we go. He says, let us consider then first the contrast between law and grace. He wants us to see the distinction, the contrast between these two. Put our thinking caps on. He's made some very powerful comments. Yes, he's mentioned some things that immediately may, you know, could, we could divert here and get into a whole discussion about dispensationalism, but we're not going to do that right now, all right? We're not going to do that. We just want, I just want you to see that when you read the Bible, you have to note the differences between your positional reality and practical reality and between law and grace or law and gospel. I think things between different promises. There's lots of different things that we have to note the differences of. All right, here we go. Let us consider then first the contrast between law and grace. Number one, here we go. They present an independent and different rule of life for the specific period they represent. 
Now, I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to put forth ideas here. I may play the devil's advocate. I may make an argument for. I may make an argument against because you know what I like to do. I like get to you thinking and get you struggling. That's what I like to get you doing because that's how you grow and that's how you benefit the most, all right? Not just me giving you a clear perspective. But you know, I probably won't be able to hold back if I if I see something I completely disagree with. You'll hear me start going, wait, what? Okay, but let's see what Unger does here. Okay, so according to him, the contrast between law and grace, the number one contrast is they, law and grace, present an independent and different rule of life for the specific period they represent. So this seems to imply that under a certain period, law was the rule. And under a different period, grace is the rule. Now, some people would be like, absolutely not. This is horrific. This is horrible. This is too dispensational. You, you, this is one of those things that you'll just have to think about and see if you agree. Do you feel that at certain times in the Bible, the rule of life was law? And do you believe that in a different period of the Bible, different time frame, grace has become the rule? Let's see what he has to say here. Law is connected with Moses and works and works. Okay, so law is connected with Moses and works. Grace with Christ and faith. So they say when you go back, say, to the period of Moses, that period of time, you get the idea of law and you get the idea of works. When you focus on the time of Christ, you get grace and faith. Now, Someone immediately is going to say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Grace and faith was also present in these different times. I will argue that both law and works, grace and faith are always present, I think, in every time period. But do they have a distinct or do they have distinct distinct roles and distinct works and distinct purposes in those different times? Now, let, let's see what he has to say here. Law demands righteousness. From man, grace bestows righteousness upon man. Now, that that clearly keeps them a different rule. Law comes and says, be righteous. Be righteous. You must be righteous. Law demands it. Where grace comes along and grace bestows righteousness upon a man. Now, I think... What that's saying is because of grace, I think to be fair, it would be grace and faith, righteousness is bestowed upon us. It's because of grace and faith that righteousness is bestowed upon us, or I don't even like the word bestowed, imputed upon us. Law demands perfect practical righteousness. Grace is there to bring us to Christ, and because of Christ, because of grace, Christ bestows or imputes upon us the righteous demand, the righteousness the law demands. I, I, I think I, I like that distinction. They, they quote some scriptures here, so this could take a long time to work through this paragraph, all right? But, but, I, but I want us to just think about this again. So, you know, if we have to stop, we have to stop. That's okay. They want us to look at a couple of scriptures here. They want us to look at Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. I'm going to move my pencil. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. 
Romans 3, 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. That's true. The righteous, so look at verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Yes, we receive a righteousness by faith. Righteousness by faith. And and see, here's the distinction. This righteousness comes by faith because of, by grace, grace through faith, right? We get this idea, kind of connecting these two concepts together and righteousness is given to us. The law says, no, if you want to be righteous, you have to obey. You have to do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. Grace says, righteousness is a gift of grace. Faith is a gift of grace. That by grace, through faith, righteousness is imputed upon me, not because of what I do, but because of grace and faith. Now, they go on to want us to look at Romans 3, verse 31. Romans 3, verse 31. Do we then make void the faith? Uh, do we, oh, I'm, let me read this again. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Now, if you go back in our series in Romans, we've talked about this. How do we establish the law? I think we establish the law is because uh, by faith, we receive the perfect righteousness, which then is, it's imputed to us. So by faith, I keep all of the law. I've obeyed all of the law. I meet all of the requirements of the law in my position. I think that that's how we could understand that. They, They go on to want us to look at, Romans chapter 8, verse 4. Romans chapter 8, verse 4. Romans 8, verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, we had a long discussion here, and I think the only way the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, some people interpret this, that it's fulfilled in us by what we do that we keep it. But I, I just, there's just no way that works because if I can meet the righteous demands of the law in me now that I'm saved, well, that means I would have to be perfect because, well, God's law demands per- 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 righteousness. The righteousness uh, the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in me because of the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's, that's the only way. We, we had a lengthy discussion. There are lots of debate and controversy over that. You can go back and listen to our sermons on Romans chapter 8. That's the only that's the only thing that we saw that could even come close to working there. Because if I could meet, if I could somehow meet the righteous demands of the law and how I live now, I would have to be basically without sin. Because if you break one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. So yeah. Go to uh, I think the next one they want us to look at is Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. Yeah, just some some light, <laughs> just some some uh, uh some Christian light podcasting on a Saturday night. Yeah, we're going all in with some very important theology here, right? Uh, Philippians chapter three, verse nine, and he, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. There's a clear contrast. I can either have my own righteousness, which is of the law, 
I can have my own righteousness, and that would be based off law-keeping, law-obeying. I could be, I could have that. Now, that's going to send me straight to hell. It's going to condemn me. I'm going to constantly feel guilty, constantly feel shame, constantly feel embarrassed, and constantly feel like nothing more than a loser, and I'm going to go find a confessional booth and just move in because I'm going to have something to confess about every 15 minutes. Or I can have a different kind of righteousness. Um... But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That is the perfect righteousness of God, and I have that by faith. Now, here we're contrasting two different, we got to note the difference, a righteousness that comes by law and a righteousness that comes by grace. We're noticing the differences between law and grace. We're noticing the differences between two types of righteousness. A lot of people really want to focus on the righteousness that they get from their obedience. But that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a fool's gold. That's what it is. A righteousness, your practical righteousness is a fool's gold. It makes you think you are righteous, but it's, it's, it's fake. It's because it's tainted by sin. And no matter how righteous you may be in this very minute, the minute you break one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. So you live a perpetual state of failure and sin. But the righteousness that I have by faith, the righteousness that's imputed to me, it is perfect. It's not corrupted. It's not tainted. All right, so let's read all of this together. The the contrast between law and grace, they, law and grace, present an independent and different rule of life for the specific period they represent. Law is connected with Moses and works, grace with Christ and faith. Law demands righteousness from man. Grace bestows righteousness upon man. We looked at all of those scriptures. Next, law blesses the good. Grace saves the bad. Law blesses the good. Grace saves the bad. Now, uh, law blesses the good. Look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, people for all the earth is mine. See, if you will obey. If you will keep my covenant, then hey, good things, wonderful. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. It's going to be great. <laughs> the only problem is they never, they never could obey. They never could obey. They failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. Law will say yes. Law comes along and says, "Look, obey, and you will be blessed. I will. I'll bless. I'll bless the good people." But grace says, "No, I'm going to save the bad." People. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the counsel of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, For his great love wherewith he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together in Christ. For by grace 
are you saved and hath raised us together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is, uh, that is, that in the ages to come might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by, gra- for by grace are you saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Completely different. Law blesses the good. Grace saves the bad. C- complete diff- c- completely different perspective. Completely different. They go on to say, Law requires merit. Grace is without human merit. Right? Let's go through all of these again. All right. So law and grace, the law and grace present an independent and different rule of life for the specific period they represent. Law is connected with Moses. Now, one of the, the person that's currently listening likes to make charts. We could start charting this out, okay? We, we could start charting this out, okay? But law is connected with Moses and works, grace with Christ and faith. Law demands righteousness from man. Grace bestows righteousness upon man. Law blesses the good. Grace saves the bad. Law requires merit. Grace is without human merit. Law demands its blessings be earned Grace is a free gift. Law demands that its blessings be earned. Hey, you want want my blessing? Earn it. Do something. Keep it. Do the right thing. Grace says, no, 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 no. Grace says it's a free gift. No merit required. It's a free gift. Let's look at some scriptures they provide here. They provide Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if, if, that, that's law language, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come unto thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shall thou be in the city and blessed shall thou be in the field. Blessed shall thou be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy ground. Blessed, blessed, blessed. If, 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 blessed, if blessed, and the, if you do, if you obey, if you are good, then you will be blessed. Now, many Christians will take that and say, see, if, if America did this, if, 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 wanting us to put back in a concept of law, but just remember, Israel had all of these laws, if, 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 and it was failure, 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 sin, 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 rebellion, 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 failure, 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 sin, 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 rebellion, 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 because we can never keep God's law, never could, never will, never should, we will never, Christ did, he kept the law, we cannot, Law is if you do this, you get blessed. If you do this, grace comes along and says it's a free gift. Look at Ephesians, well, 2.8. We've already looked at it. We'll just read it one more time. It's a stark contrast from Deuteronomy. 
completely different language, completely different framework. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You are absolutely saved, and in Christ you have all spiritual blessings regardless of what you do. Uh, They also quote uh, Romans chapter 4 here, Romans chapter 4. Or they don't quote, they uh, add it as a, just give it as a reference. Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 4. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believed on him, that justify the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. That's how it works. Now, that's going back to the time of Abram. So once again, showing that this concept has been present. But it, they're always distinct. All right. Here we go. Now, I'm going to go read this all again. All right. I know it's taking, I mean, we're never going to finish this first paragraph, but that's okay. Uh, hopefully, I, I may have to just zoom through the last part of this paragraph, and this is okay. And I'll post this paragraph inside the Discord channel for anyone who wants to look at it, because I think it's really good. All right, here we go. So, Law and grace present an independent and different rule of life for the specific period they represent. Law is connected with Moses and works, grace with Christ and faith. Law demands righteousness from man. Grace bestows righteousness upon man. Law blesses the good. Grace saves the bad. Law requires merit. Grace is without human merit. Law demands its blessings be earned. Grace is a free gift. Law is negative. Grace is positive. I think that's very important. Law is negative. Grace is positive. Law is prohibiting and demanding. Grace is beseeching and bestowing. So law prohibits and demands. Law is like, you shall not. You must do this. It's prohibiting. It's demanding. Grace is beseeching and bestowing. Law ministers condemnation. That's what law always ministers. It always ministers condemnation. It's going to give you the demands. It's going to give you the prohibitions. It's going to say, do this, don't do that. And then within five seconds, boom, you are condemned because you're not going to do what the law demands because the law's righteous demands we're incapable of doing so because of our depraved nature. It always condemns. Well, grace, um, so law prohibits and demands. Grace is beseeching and bestowing. Law ministers condemnation. Grace provides forgiveness. Law curses. Grace blesses. Law kills. Grace makes alive. Law shuts every mouth before God. Grace opens every mouth to praise God. Law makes guilty men tremble. Grace makes him rejoice. Law puts a great and guilty distance between man and his maker. Grace brings guilty men near to his maker. Law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Grace says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. Law will utterly condemn the best of men. Grace 
freely saves the worst of men. The law was addressed to Israel only from Sinai to the cross and accomplished a peculiar purpose in condemning and leading to Christ. Christ is addressed to all kindreds and tribes, to whosoever will, and is designed to save the worst and the most helpless whom the law condemns. Completely, the contrast there is stark. The contrast there is powerful. The contrast there is beautiful. Now, grace makes us nervous, right? We're like, man, if I if I give too much grace, people are going to be just running around doing, I mean, the worst person can be saved. Bad people can be saved. I mean, and, and grace just gives and grace forgives. And grace pardons and grace turns the other cheek and grace wants to feed the enemy and, and give the enemy something to drink. And grace, 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 it bestows, it forgives. It opens your mouth to praise. It, it does, it's just like, it's out of control. There's just no way. So we, so we at some point we're like, we, we need some law. We need some law in here. So we have a tendency to revert back to a law mindset, do we not? Now, I'm not, I'm not arguing for antinomianism, okay? In fact, Unger here is going to condemn antinomianism, all right? He's going to condemn that. But see, when you start talking about, here's the thing. Here's, I think this is very important. You know, you know when you hear grace because it's going to make you uncomfortable, Grace is going to make you worry. Grace is going to, grace, you're going to start offering all kinds of objections. You're going to start saying things like, but wait a minute. Are you saying that we should just sin, that grace may abound? Wait a minute. Are you saying that I can do whatever I want? Wait a minute. Are you saying there's no rules? Wait a minute. You're saying that I can just sin all I want and still be saved and still be forgiven? You're going to get nervous and you're going to get worried. Because there's something inside of us that we just feel that, man, no, 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 no. I need some law. I need some condemnation. I, 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 this grace is just, I, I can't, I can't, I can't handle this. I can't handle grace. It makes us nervous for some reason. But we don't, we don't develop doctrines on how it, based on how we feel. Grace is the unmerited, unearned favor of God. I am saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone, because of an imputed righteousness. But see, we that bothers us. Even as Protestants, even say we don't like that infused righteousness, we still like, well, well wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. You may be saved by an imputed righteousness, but I guarantee you, you better produce some practical righteousness because if you don't have enough practical righteousness, you never got the imputed righteousness. Therefore, you're not saved. You're like, well, wait a minute. How does an imputed righteousness produce a practical righteousness? And how much practical righteousness, much, you've heard me talk about this a million times. There's a massive difference between law and grace. You need to note that distinction. Now, I, I, I want to go to the next point he makes, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, because we're at 47 minutes. That's some powerful stuff. The contrast between law and grace 
is Long Grace present an independent and different rule of life for the specific period they represent. Whenever law shows up, it's do, 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 condemn, condemn. Don't do condemned or do, don't condemn. Don't do condemned. That's law. Do this, don't do this, you're condemned. Do this, don't do this, you're condemned. Do You could say it's do, don't, if. Okay. Do this, don't do this, and if you do and don't do this, you'll be blessed. Now you're condemned. So it's do, don't, if, condemnation. Do this, don't do this. If you don't and do, you'll be blessed, but you're never going to get the blessing. You're going to get condemned. Sooner or later, you're going to get condemned. You may get a temporary blessing. Sooner or later, the condemnation is coming because sooner or later, the, the disobedience is coming. Sooner or later, you're not going to follow the prohibition or the demands. You're, you're not going to. Grace comes along and says, no, no, no. It's not do and don't. It's here's salvation. Here is forgiveness. Here is blessing. Here is love. Here is mercy. Here is grace. Here, here. Even as the enemy of God, he feeds us in a sense. He he turned in a sense, he turns the other cheek because of grace and mercy. Completely different concept, which should radically change the way you live. Do you live in a grace-focused mindset or a law-based mindset? Most sermons are more law-based than grace-based because we're always like, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. It's so easy to do that. Now, I'm not saying that there's never a place to say, do this and, do, and don't do this because the Bible gives us those things. We just have to understand that in many ways, that's a law. Do this, don't do this. And if you do this, then you get this. That's all law, law. That's how law operates. Grace is radically, completely different. There you go. I'm just going to stop right there. I, I, I want to, this is, see, now I'm going to end going, oh, oh, but, but th- this is great. Tomorrow we'll, we'll look at uh, number two and number three, and then we'll look at the uh, three errors that arise from messing these up and or, uh, then uh, arise from uh, a failure to observe the contrast between law and grace. Then we're going to look at the purpose of law and grace. There we go. That's some that's some good stuff. Um, I'm gonna check the app, make sure. All right. Um, I think uh, I think that's good. Uh, someone just said, "Yeah, that was a that was plenty to soak up." I'm trying to move to a grace based mindset. Super hard to grasp. Absolutely, completely, completely agree. All right. I'll stop right there. I think that's good. All right. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. Tomorrow we'll pick this up and we'll finish it. And uh, hopefully before it's done, these two parts will prove to be extremely beneficial to you. And uh, and I, I said, I'm going to post this right now. I'm going to do this right now. I'm not going to give uh, everything. I'm going to see here. I'm just going to post the uh, this part.
in the Discord channel. You do this right now. There's the Discord channel here. It's posted. There we go. So that's what we just discussed. So hopefully that will be beneficial to anyone. Anybody else needs a copy of it, just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, and I'll be more than happy to send you a copy of what was just read um, by Unger um, in 1949. All right, there you go. Everyone have a great night. God bless.